Mm-hmm. Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. <laughs> Here we are again being robots, apparently. <laughs> having our current historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Beep, Just kidding. Boop, boop. It's definitely researched. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> So we went out last week. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Rebecca barely have friend time anymore. We used to have friend time all the time. Yeah. Now this is half friend time, half employee time. Not employee. Well. Coworker time? Yeah, I guess. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever the fuck it is. It's half friend time and half this. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we went out to a bar the other day and could barely get a word in. Why is that, Rebecca? Why do you think? (laughs) Men. It's like I've been doing a lot of thinking this week about men. How do you have time? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff. They keep getting in there. Um, How I feel about men as like a general thing. And I came to this realization that like I don't hate men. I just like I care considerably less about what they have to say. Largely because I feel like. They've said it all. Well, yeah. And I I kind of feel like. And I don't think I made this. Yeah, we barely said anything. I feel like I'm just going to give men the sort of same respect or lack thereof that they give me of kind of doubting everything that they say until you know like or like not really listening to them because that's what happens to us all the time what you should really do is explain to them what they've already explained to you right right like that time I think it was Rebecca Traster went out to like some party and some dude sat next to her and she mentioned a book that she had written and he started explaining it to her because he didn't realize that she was the author and she was like no but you're wrong <laughs> you're wrong I know because I wrote it because I wrote that so we, we went out and and tried to have a drink and were interrupted by I don't know four or five dudes yeah like one dude was sitting on the other side of Jesse and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we're deep in conversation and we were talking about things, you know, we we're catching up on a lot of stuff. And he just he goes, what's you guys' favorite TV series? That's how that's how much we got interrupted that night. I don't remember which one that was. You just <laughs> you didn't say anything. You just stared at me and blinked slowly. <laughs> I think that's the thing that I don't understand how often I go out and I'll be in a deep conversation. And, you know, the difference between somebody who's invested you know, both of us with our backs to everyone else at the bar, mm-hmm. intensely speaking, I, I wouldn't go up to those people. No. Maybe people on their phone, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but like they might be researching for their almost famous podcast. Exactly. You know? For me, I sometimes have less anxiety just going out and writing at a bar. Um, and I've had so many guys come up to me and be like, oh, what are you reading? Oh, well, what are you, what are you working on? And I'll be like, I'll tell them and I'll be polite. But I remember one time I was like, actually, I'm getting a lot of work done. I have a deadline tomorrow. If you wouldn't mind, you seem really nice, but I just I want to get back to this. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, why would you come to a bar to do this? Oh, my God. And I was like, it's really none of your business. I can come to the bar and do whatever I want. If I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to talk to you. Try being polite. Now go fuck off. Yeah, it's I remember one time I went to a bar on my way home. It was like Christmas Eve or something like that. And my buddy was working and I'd gotten off work kind of early. So I went and I was like, I was sitting at the bar reading a book and this dude sat next to me and I just like wanted the same thing. I just wanted to chill. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he was like, oh, what are you reading? I bet that's about shopping and credit cards. And I was like, I will destroy you. (laughs) 
actually watch me destroy I was, you <laughs> i want to say that i was reading like foucault or something like that but actually i was probably <laughs> reading some like bullshit mystery novel but still whatever yeah fuck you dude <laughs> oh we were just waxing our legs off i think women just have a lower threshold for pain than men so now what i just pull it off uh-huh. that's right <laughs> we're gonna talk about body hair Body hair. Body hair don't care. Yeah. I have a fun fact. Tell me. Okay. So, to start us off in the right direction, what what body hair is? What What is it? I don't know. Tell me. We have the same number of follicles as our great ape cousins. So about 5 million individual hairs. But our hair is shorter and finer. Yeah. Wow. Than apes. So what I happened don't... to our fur? I don't know. What? <laughs> so it sounded like I was on an episode of Bill Nye. <laughs> <laughs> Human hair likely started to fade away around 1.7 million years ago, around the time early ancestors started living the hot, shadeless African Sahara life. You know, the Sanohara. The <laughs> <laughs> they live in that upright life, <laughs> exposing less of their bodies to direct sunlight. So the theory is that our head hair is a built-in umbrella from the sun. So it all just kind of like migrated up there. I have this image of like all these hairs in my like just like walking up. <laughs> oh, uh, hairs like go the eighties one by one. Hurrah! What's that hurrah. game with the dude and you have to move the magnetic pieces up with a magnetic pen? You're not talking about the surgery game. No, I don't know no, what no, no, game no. you're talking about. You're not an eighties. I am. <laughs> Everyone else knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Please I'll find write, it for you. Write us right in and tell us what Jesse's talking Rebecca about. Send Rebecca a picture. <laughs> sake anyway so your head hair is built in shelter for from the sun and another theory is that less hair meant fewer parasites and better health so a super hairy body body provides shelter for lots of parasites you know little tents for parasites Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and less hair leaves fewer hiding spots for bugs so bare skin may have good uh, may have been a good advertisement for potential mates for overall health and fitness so everything has its evolutionary purpose, like head hair to protect from the sun and leg hair to deter bugs. Um, but what's cool and what we're probably going to talk mostly about today is that we might have kept our armpit hair and pubic hair to help, you know, get it on. And to help pro- and protect us from infections. Right. So this is why it's important because your hair is there for a reason. Your uh, pubic hair and your pit hair, both of these areas house, I'm going to say this wrong, acrocrine glands. Aprocrine. Aprocrine glands in the skin and eyelid are sweat glands. Most aprocrine glands in the skin are in the armpits, the groin, oh. and the area of, around the nipples of the breast. Aprocrine oh. glands in the skin are scent glands, and their secretions usually have an odor. It releases pheromones. That helps attract potential mates. We have extra thick hair in these parts in the most moist areas. That's right. Everyone listen to that word, moist. 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 Practice it. Say it with us. <laughs> moist. I just imagine so many people being like, blah, blah. I know. I'm so happy about it. Um, <laughs> But these areas trap and transmit these pheromones. So the next time you take a razor, think about the advantage your hair provides. I mean, even think about... And it's been millions of years in the making. Yeah. And then take a laser to it because social norms say that you should. (laughs) Right. Exactly. All right. We're going to go through a very brief history of shaving and why shaving started happening, starting with... Why? The stone. The Stone Age. Um, so we got most of this information from this woman, Rachel Lubitz. In the Stone Age, according to this blog called History Undressed, 
uh, men and women during the Stone Age shaved their heads and faces that when they went to battle, their opponents wouldn't have the advantage of grabbing onto anything. Nice. Which is something I always think about when I'm watching football. Like I really, I know it's against the rules, but I really get worried that, you know, the defenders are going to just like grab someone by like the, like they have long hair or something like that. It makes me very nervous. That's why you take your earrings off before you get into a fight. Yeah. So anyway, and then they also did it because it helped prevent frostbite to get rid of your facial hair. How does it prevent frostbite? Because if, so if you see, like if you were to look at videos. today? I don't know. How does it prevent frostbite? This is what I think, and I'll do some research and make sure. But like, if you look at pictures of, of men with, like, specifically men with beards or people with bushy eyebrows or whatever, and they're out running in the wintertime or they're out in the snow, all the Ice snow ice. gets stuck on the beard and can actually create like an ice beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably why. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so this mm-hmm. was well before the time of razors, and cave people would whittle stones down to a sharp angle, Ugh. and then they would slide the stones over their faces in order to basically scratch the hair off. Um, and then they would <laughs> use these little shells like tweezers for the smaller hairs. That can't have looked good. No, and it must have fucking hurt like a bitch because yeah. it must have ripped your skin off. Uh, in Egypt and Mesopotamia, a few thousand years later, things got a little better. Throughout Egypt and Mesopotamia, both women and men removed all their body hair, leaving only their eyebrows, which feels really uncomfortable to me. Yeah, what about their lashes? I bet they left the lashes. So smooth. Like a baby's bottom. Like a baby's Yeah, did they leave the eyebrow? I mean, the eyelashes? I think, I mean, they must have. I'm going to believe they did because I just, I that can't. That sounds so painful if yeah. you're tweezing all their individual, and I'm specifically thinking about the pubic area because it's so sensitive with seashell tweezers. You're plucking out in each individual. It just makes me want to vomit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this alluded to a higher level of cleanliness and to conform to beauty standards that were set by women like Cleopatra. Come on, girl. Right? Uh, then the, the Roman Empire came around, and at this time, it was another level of hair removal became a signifier of cleanliness. But during this time, it changed because it became a signifier of class as well, but only for the women mm. um, during this time. <laughs> shocker. Who have less hair, too. During this time, women removed their hair with pumice stones, razors made from flint, and these scary-looking tweezer things called volcellas, which I will put down in the episode notes. Yeah, they're, that? they're these weird, like, flat tweezers. I don't know. They look awful. Mm-hmm. And different creams. And men, on the other hand, could wear their hair however they wanted. And similar <laughs> to... figure. Right? <laughs> Do whatever you want. Be you. Yeah, exactly. Do <laughs> women take it out one by one. Yeah, want a top knot? Top knot? Go for it. Curve stash? Sure. Rules and regulations, right? Similar to during the Egyptian time, uh, the pubic hair was seen as uncivilized to people in Greece and the Roman Empire. So young women were actually made to use the volcella, those tweezers, the second any pubic hair appeared. In addition, a lot of the creams that they used were created from arsenic, quicklime, and starch. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what quicklime is, honestly. It's not good, but but I'll, arsenic. Yeah, it's probably like arsenic. Yeah, I mean it's like lime, but L Y M E. I think I'll look it up. I'll it all it looks like it burns, and I don't like sure it. Sure as hell does. England, <laughs> we're in England. It's <laughs> a great English accent. That was awesome. Let me try it. Let me try it. According to Queen Elizabeth, who ruled England from 1558 to 1603, the hair on a woman's face should be groomed. I'm going to stop doing it because I'm not even paying attention to what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, eyebrows shaped, mustaches removed. So sad. Yeah. But women should not worry about leg and pubic hair. Yeah. Queen Elizabeth was like, whatever. I don't care about that. They're wearing long dresses and shit. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Why bother? Exactly. Waste of time. Right. Um, but the crazy thing was that uh, one of the trends that, around, that came about during that time 
during um, Elizabethan England was that they would remove hair from the upper part of the forehead, women would, in order to make their faces look longer. So in order to do this, mothers would rub walnut oil and cat poop to prevent hair growth on their daughter's forehead. Yeah. By the way, my search browser now asks the question, does cat poop prevent hair growth? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with no. (laughs) Who came up with that shit? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Whose idea was it? How did that come about? They're like, oh, yeah, cat poop will do this. Yeah. Is there scientific evidence for something that cats poo out? I don't know. I'll look it up. So then the straight razor was invented in the 1700s. So fuck you, Jean-Jacques Perret. Um, I mean, during the 1700s was a good time because that was when there were no beauty standards that dictated how women should deal with their own body hair. So they could either shave or not shave. I don't even believe that. Is that bad? When I read that, I was like, yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure there was other beauty standards. Yeah. Obviously. The 1800s and even safer razor was invented by King Camp Gillette, who is clearly not a king. Not actually a king. (laughs) Nope. His parents named him king for some reason. Maybe they thought that would give him a leg up, you know? I mean, and he was obviously invented something and then became really rich. So maybe they were right. Oh, shit. Yeah. So if I name my kid Elvis, will he become a rock star? Probably. Cool. Razors continually got safer, but they weren't marketed specifically to women until a few decades later. It 100% makes sense to me that even though women had hair removal, removal beauty standards hundreds of thousands of years before men, that we didn't get razors until they got it. Right. And then 200 years later. Right. And they still had a razor and we were probably still using fucking stones. Um, so this is where it gets like super interesting for me personally. So in 1915, Gillette created a razor called the Milady Decolette, um, which Ooh. launched what is currently known as the first great anti-underarm hair campaign. So they basically had a campaign that they started against underarm hair. So there's this woman, Christine Hope, who wrote an article called uh, The Caucasian Female Body Hair and American Culture for the Journal of American Culture and explains that around this time there was a sustained retail market push to get women to deal with their quote-unquote unsightly underarm hair. So what's so interesting to me here is that this company create like manufactured an insecurity among women to then make money off of it. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So like before that, women didn't give a fuck about their underarm hair. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, Until we're told to exactly. And then Gillette is starts putting these ads in Sears catalogs and you know alongside sleeveless dresses to be like, if you're gonna wear that dress, you got to deal with your underarm hair. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, women are like, fuck, you're right, right. So yeah, they so what they did was they kind of like rolled out this this market campaign that mm-hmm. they would start focusing on different areas of women's bodies to make women feel insecure about it. So they started with the underarms, <laughs> just and then nitpick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then they went to the legs mm-hmm. when um, like hemlines started going up in like the twenties, and then they moved to the pubic hair, the cunt coif. Uh, when World War II went on, there was a serious lack of nylons. Mm-hmm. So women couldn't wear stockings. And so when women couldn't wear stockings, they started shaving their legs. Mm-hmm. And at the same time... And waxing, right? And yeah, waxing comes... It, waxing, yeah, comes a little bit later, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because nothing says America like a deranged waxing regimen. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Um, and at the same time... Uh, Betty Grable was a pinup and she was put up and I'm going to put a picture of her in the episode notes. Um, she was put up displaying her legs. And so women for at this mm-hmm. time, hairlessness for women became something akin to patriotism. Right. So, you know, if you're wearing nylons, then you're detracting from the war effort. Hair patriotism. Patriotism. Patriotism shaving, is shaving your legs. Shaving for your country. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so this woman, Sarah Hildebrandt, who wrote The Embodiment of American Culture, said, quote, as this history illustrated, the more clothes women were allowed or expected to remove, the more hair they were also expected to remove, end quote. So like when it became acceptable for women to wear bikinis, all of a sudden, now they have to start dealing with their pubic hair. Mm-hmm. Pubic hair has pheromones, bitch. It's exotic. Yeah. I mean, erotic. <laughs> <laughs> not exotic. Not. Because not. we all pretty much have it. Right. I have a lot. Moving on. <laughs> the first Brazilian given when every follicle was ripped from its home. Oh, my yeah. God. Was it Trump who invented Brazilians? <laughs> was given in a salon in Manhattan in 1987. By two sisters from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Crazy. So in the 1970s, Deep Throat was released. So like looking up at porn and how porn kind of, you know, impacted. Hearing that from you startled me somehow. No, I know. Uh, So Deep Throat was released, which highlighted the all natural look. But then in 1974, Mm. uh, Hustler printed the first uh, shot, the first pink shot of a bare vagina. And so a lot of up and coming actors in the adult film industry and uh, models and, you know, for pornographic magazines and stuff started following suit. Okay, the barely legal series was Larry Flynn. I think so, yeah. And that talk about was that. the beginning of the unnatural look and the start of the skin to the wind look. Uh, There's like a big idea that women are dirty if they have hair down there. Right. That they have to be bald to be sexy. Right, which is wild. Yeah, there's nothing unhygienic about pubic hair. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's supposed to protect us. That's what it's there for. If you don't like it, keep your mitts off our muffs. Yeah. So Nadine, AJ, a.k.a., um, says... And yet, if you ask many women why they voluntarily shave or wax, they might say that it's a method of self-enhancement, that they want to. It's a personal choice, and they just feel better when everything is smooth. Hair removal as self-care might be one of the biggest lies women have bought into. It keeps us in an impossible loop, one in which we are constantly in pursuit of velvety limbs and the moral virtue of cleanliness. Woof. Yeah, for reals. Um, so another thing that we should we wanted to mention here is um, the there's also like a racist dimension mm-hmm. to the way that body hair is policed. So after Darwin, so Darwin published The Descent of Man in, in 1871, male scientists started to obsess over racial hair types. Um, and they started looking at this as like an indication of the level of primitiveness mm-hmm. of specific people. So they did a study in 19, 1893 that looked for insanity in 271 white women and found that the women who were insane were more likely to have facial hair, which would then make them look more like the quote unquote inferior races. And is it just because they weren't adhering to beauty standards by tweezing? Yeah. I mean, who knows? That's, that's the thing is like, there's also that it's in studies that women were, uh, what's the word that I hate? Hysterical Mm -hmm. back then. Were they actually crazy or was that, Right. I mean, we are probably hysterical by those standards. The fact of the matter is from stuff that we've read, and we'll put that in the episode notes, that white women, specifically like Protestant white women, so not as much Italian women Mm -hmm. or Jewish women, tend to have the finest hair. And so this kind of like valuation of Mm -hmm. people based off the amount of hair that they have is inherently racist because you end up the more white you are. Mm-hmm. And the less hair, the more right. the more civil. Right. So it's just like another way to reinforce racial stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and it's totally jacked. Gavage. So, so why are we why are we talking about this stuff? Um, I, <laughs> I mean, think about the amount of time that we spend dealing with unwanted 
body hair and the amount of money that we spend dealing so with it. So much money. I read somewhere that it's like ten, that women who shave spend something like $10,000 in their lifetime and women who wax spend $23,000. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a lot of money. Yeah. I'm I'm bad at being a quote unquote girl, though. I've had the same razor for like eight months. I should yeah. probably get a tetanus shot. Oh, maybe. I use men's razors. I figure if it's good enough for their chin, it's good enough for my knee. There is also a stigma for men because body hair for them means manliness, almost having more hair. There's issues with being bald and there's issues with not having chest hair. I mean, I've had men on both sides of the spectrum who don't have any hair who have gotten a little sensitive Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I've been like, oh, you're so smooth. And they're like, I know, I get it. I can't grow hair. I was like, no, you don't understand. I I like it. Yeah, I was appreciating you. (laughs) Yeah, I was appreciating you. And I've also had men with like lots of hair where I'm like, oh, I like running my hand. Like, I like both. I found this thing called the back sack and crack waxing technique. (laughs) And I found an article about it in The Economist, which is- Say it again, say it again. (laughs) Back sack and crack. I think there should be a song. My back, my sack. My penis and my crack. Yeah, that's good. I like it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so smart. Because it goes both ways. It's just we're talking specifically about women. And I think it is, in my opinion, it seems like it's a lot worse. Right. But it's like, you know, there's also men who, you know, wax their backs and stuff before they go to the beach because Mm -hmm. they're really hairy and they feel some sort of shame about it. I mean, there's, you know, there's the guys don't get rid of the tail. Come on. You're killing me. (laughs) Um, So the thing that's so interesting to this about this to me is that so when it came to women, as we mentioned earlier, companies led the way towards removing more hair as a way to increase their own profits. Mm -hmm. When it came to men, men started moving towards like manscaping or managing their own hair before companies caught on. And it was actually the company creating these things was in reaction to what men were already doing. <laughs> right? Let's make this easier for you. Yeah. But it took <laughs> them, they were like, I don't think this is going to stick, so we're not going to do it. But I think like we should all do whatever we're most comfortable with. The, the thing is, it's so hard to separate what we're actually most comfortable with and what we're most comfortable with because society tells us that's what that's what we should be doing. I honestly just do it out of habit at this point. Mm-hmm. I grew up having the shame of growing hair and everyone else in my class was already shaving. And so I had to like beg my mom who was like, you know, you can, but you're not old enough. And once you start, you're never going to stop. Yeah. Your mom mom said the exact same thing. (laughs) I actually don't think my mom said that. My aunt did, but my mom made me wait. Just, I don't even remember why, but I grew up shaving and maintaining a certain level of hairlessness. (laughs) And now I'm not really sure how to love myself with hair. You know, it's just natural for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel more comfortable being shaved, but I think that's only because I was taught that that was the way. Yeah. I read this thing, um, this article from Time Magazine that was incredible uh, by this woman, Heather Widows. She said, if we are good at beauty, we feel we are good, virtuous. If we are bad, we feel we are no good, almost no matter what else we do. In this light, criticism of body hair is not trivial or minor. To remove body hair is not a fashion faux pas. It's not like wearing platforms when stilettos are in or boot cuts when skinny jeans are ubiquitous. Mm. In fact, when it comes to fashion, more variation and deviation is permitted than once was. But the diversity in in dress hides the similarity that society requires of our bodies. You might still be ashamed of your non-branded trousers, but clothes are not the body. They are not the self. Body shame, as beauty becomes ethics, becomes shame of the self. It is much more serious. Yeah. And I read that and it gave me shivers. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you want to wax it? Do it. You want to shave it? Go for it. You want to grow your hair out until you can use it as a bungee cord? Fucking do it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's... If you don't care either way, maybe see what your partner likes. I just feel like there should be more diversity in what makes you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. 
and other people shouldn't because you know i i don't shave i wax but i'm kind of like back and forth with it but i've noticed through kind of like observing the times when i decide to to wax or when i feel like i should shave or something it's totally in connection with when I feel shamed for some reason. Like if I've gone to the gym a bunch and I've seen women staring at me in the dressing room Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, Oh my God, I feel dirty. Yeah. Or, um, I'm going to the beach. What if someone sees that I, you know, gasp, grow pubic hair, Yeah. you know, all of this kind of stuff. And you think about, you know, things that you might be going to, you're going to go to a party. And I mean, I shave my armpits because that's one thing that I that I personally have a hard time. Like, I don't care what other people do, but I feel like I would have a hard time myself not shaving my armpits. Yeah. Because it's so incredibly ingrained in like yeah. in like how, how I, I feel. feel. But, you know, imagine you don't and you and you go to a party and your armpits are hairy and that becomes the conversation. And everyone feels as though they can weigh in on your decision to not shave your armpits or thinks that yeah. it's some valuation of who you are as a person. Yeah. I know a friend of a friend of mine went out to hook up with this girl in a car when we were in college and came back in shivering. And he said, oh God, he was like, I would never. She had a bush, she had a beaver. Stop. And I was like, I'm sorry. Did you just turn down sex because she had natural hair on her mom's pubis? (laughs) You idiot. Have you ever had sex? Yeah, seriously. You idiot. if, If some dude won't have sex with you because you have hair down there, buy irritated skin, by irritating douche. Mm-hmm. The fuck out of here. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had pe- had dudes like take a take a second, you know, because like I don't I have a lot of hair. So mm-hmm. and I don't really do too much about it. Yeah. Um, And I've definitely had dudes that I've slept with, like do a double take. And no one's ever been like, I'm not going there. But like it definitely it, de- it it's there's always a second and there's always a moment where every time I sleep with Every time I've slept with someone for the first time, mm. I've always had this moment of of trepidation yeah. about what they're going to think. Yeah, I still apologize sometimes without, without realizing that I'm doing it. Like I didn't shave my bikini line. Right. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. I went to get waxed once. I think I think I was going to Miami or something and I just wanted to like, you know, be able, like f- be able to wear a bathing suit, which is a ridiculous statement. Right. But the lady was like, oh, you, you must not have a boyfriend. And I was like, no, I do. And she was like, Fuck you. is he European? And I was like, no, he's from Iowa. And she was and I and she was like, and he's OK with this. And I was like, yeah, he likes it. And she goes, no, he doesn't. He's lying to you. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. The shame comes from both sides. Yeah. I don't think dudes ultimately give a shit. I don't either. There was a Telegraph article and this is years ago. So the I'm sure the percentage has changed and I hope it went up. But like 62 percent of men preferred women right like natural oh yeah but that was like five years ago so i'm sure it's more now because that's we've changed a lot in five years yeah i'll see if i can find some information put it up there yes please i once tried to grow my hair out so that i could make it into a faux hawk oh really my pubic hair that's awesome my ex-boyfriend was all about it it was the same one as the bloody pillow i love him which you can find in our episode notes yeah menstruation apparently that was a favorite story it's a great fucking story you better listen to it if you haven't listened to it you have to listen to it it'll be in the episode notes this is fucking hilarious clearly my favorite ex-boyfriend yeah yeah he's awesome like he's awesome everyone who meets jesse who has like didn't know her from before is like yeah you guys are doing a really great job that story about the pillow and it's true it's a highlight of the series 
<laughs> he let me bleed all over his bedwear. He let he me sure grow did. my pubic hair into a faux hawk. He sure did. Good man. Lovely. I also wanted to grow it into a handlebar mustache. I tried. It's just not long enough. That would be so funny. I know. The handlebar mustache I got a little closer to. I can yeah. I can like a mini stash. I, I think that's within reach of my dreams is yeah. the handlebar mustache. You can do it. Yeah. Bucket list. I want to talk about my mustache. Let, let's talk about your mustache. I have I'm a I'm a Jewish lady. I've got like a lot of really dark hair. I was blessed with pretty good self-esteem. So unless somebody <laughs> points something out to me, I just do not notice. And it goes both ways. Like I was recently told that I have really awesome eyebrows. I had no idea. You have awesome eyebrows. Thanks. You're welcome. They're just there. And I don't like actually do anything to them. Nice. Yeah, I don't Jelly. know. They're just like that. So this kid, Jesse, who I went, who used to pick on me a lot in middle school. I remember one day came up and was like, you have a mustache. And was like giving me such a hard time about it. Only boys are supposed to have mustaches. Why do you have a mustache? And I had never even noticed. And I was so upset. And I remember going Aww. home and talking to my aunt about it. And she was like, well, you should just bleach it. I didn't know what bleach was. I thought they were going to put Clorox on my face. Yeah. So it became this thing that I was super insecure about for years where I would go and getting your upper lip waxed is massively painful. Yep. Like it hurts. Pluck out one of your nose hairs. That's what it feels like. It's so, it's so fucking painful. And I would feel so ashamed when in, if I went too long without, without waxing it. Mm. And I started buying, you know, wax at home strips and all this kind of stuff. And now at this point, like I'll sometimes pluck out like the really thick ones, but it, so I don't, I don't care that much because all of that care has now changed and been around my chin hair. Like, mm -hmm. Even while I was reading all these articles about about hair and how we've basically as women, we've like bought into this ridiculous standard and how unfair it is and all this other stuff. I found myself like touching my chin to see if I could feel. And I just like every single day I stare in the mirror and see if there's any that I can pluck out. But it's like it's this thing that I have so much, so much shame about. Mm -hmm. And if like I travel with. I do not bring really any beauty products with me. I barely wear makeup. I put like eyeliner and mascara. I'm super, super low maintenance about all of that kind of stuff. I do not travel without tweezers specifically because Whoa. I have to tweeze my chin hairs because oh I have so much insecurity about it. And it's all because of fucking Jesse. Not this Jesse who I love, I but know. My devil. Heart, my heart just like cringed <laughs> no. a little. Devil Jesse. Um, <laughs> maybe he's perfectly nice, but he fucked with me a lot in middle school. I recently visited my grandma and she's in an old age, old age home and she um, she's fucking hilarious. But, you know, she's in a wheelchair now and she doesn't care as much about, you know, what she's wearing and all this other stuff. But the one thing that she cares about is her chin hair. Mm. And she has an electric razor so that like my dad can help her with it. And she, you know, stopped wearing a wig when she went in there. She stopped, you know, caring about all of these different things that she'd, I didn't even know she wore a wig until I was like 25. Whoa. Um, Cause she always just had it. Yeah. Uh, but like she stopped caring about all of this stuff, but mm -hmm. these specific things and there's nothing wrong with it. It's completely mm -hmm. natural. And it just, it impacted my self-esteem so much and it still does, yeah. which is wild. I mean, there's no way at 12 years old, I should have been applying Jolene to the peach fuzz that exists on my face. There's nothing there. Right. But I thought there was. Yeah. And, and I had been told. It. And my mom helped me wax it. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean. She was my, probably just trying to make you feel better. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's not on her. I mean, she was. My mom grew up in a more socially bound to beauty standards, you know, than I did. 
I still remember getting my hair brushed and hearing beauty is pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But beauty is pain is only for women. Right. Yeah, exactly. I read this really awesome article from The Guardian uh, by this woman, Mona Chalabi, who's incredible. And she has this awesome Instagram you should follow with all these really cool graphics and stuff. Last paragraph is, I'm not about to judge any woman for removing her facial hair. Despite knowing that I don't need help, I still go to see a beauty therapist each each month. I pay (gasps) huge sums so she can zap me with a laser that damages my hair follicles. I signed up for a solution, even though I know that the problem doesn't really exist. I lie there wincing with each shock as she asks me about my weekend and says, honey, are you sure you don't want me to do your arms too? They're very hairy. Oh, God. So it's like, and I read that and like I had just taken a research break to go, you know, see if I had grown chin hair in the last 15 (laughs) minutes. And I was like, so it's not just me. Is there anything else that we missed? I mean, we can say that in the 1920s and 1930s, thousands of women were killed or permanently disabled by Koremlu, which was a cream made from rat poison. Oh, my God. Yeah. Women were just putting rat poison on their faces and then getting like disabled and disfigured. It's not that real. Yeah. It's. Oh, God. Yeah, it's wild. On that note, bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You are beautiful. This is Nightmare Nair, the perpetrator of beauty standards. Horror! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> scared me. So, Jesse, I'm going to read you this uh, Reddit thing that I found. It's incredible. Do it. It's so funny and also so fucked up. So, it's by a user named Nairver again. <laughs> and the title of it is Chemically Burn Your Cooter with Nair. Here's what you do. Jesus. Christ. Yes. All right. So I'm just going to read this whole thing. I know it says right there on the bottle not to use it on your gens, but you can use it on your bikini area. And if you're anything like me, the bikini hairs are the most stubborn. So I used a lot. It got everywhere and left it on for a long time, like three times as long as you're supposed to. This caused an unbearably painful chemical burn on milady parts. <laughs> Before you write me off as a... Milady parts. Milady parts. Before you write me off as a hair removal noob or wimp, you should know that I'm in my 30s and I have pushed two kids out of my vag without drugs. I'm telling you, this fucking hurt. It felt like I'd wiped with the zester side of a cheese grater. Oh. <laughs> Peeing was so painful that I actually screamed. <laughs> my first reaction, like any modern woman, was to Google, burned my vagina. <laughs> Oh, my God. There are a lot of ladies that have done this, but there's no good advice on how to get relief. The suggestions were things like try diaper rash cream and your vagina is going to fall off. At that point, you're probably like, please, please fall off. After some trial and error, I managed to get relief from the pain. I'm going to tell the interwebs what I did so that others may reap the benefits. One, don't nair your vag. (laughs) Step one, don't make the same mistake I did. Don't do it. Two. Don't use burn cream. It hurt like fucking, fucking hell. Three, take ibuprofen for the swelling. Four, run a lukewarm bath. Get your laptop, some magazines, your phone, some hard alcohol. You will be in there for a while. Subtopic, only run a couple of inches of water. This is where you're going to pee. I'm going to get detailed and graphic here. Remember, this is motivated by excruciating pain. Hold open the labia minora, depending on where the burns are. You may also want to put a finger on the vaginal opening to protect it. Mm. Pee, drain the water and wash up. Fill the tub back up and read the internet for a while. 
Five, when you get out, gently apply Neosporin ointment. Ointment, not the cream. The cream is cold and it hurts. Oh, that's weird. I just saw my vagina pop off my body and run across the room with a white flag. (laughs) It fell off, like she said. Yeah, it's given up. It's out. (laughs) Done. Done. Six, wear a skirt and no unders. I, I, I love this woman. Seven, get an ice pack and wrap a towel around it. You want cool, not cold. Ice your junk. Eight, throw the nair away. (laughs) (sighs) Fucking burn it. And then the too long didn't read section, just like the summary just says, if you burn your genitals with nair, do these things and you'll feel better. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'm going to put this Reddit in in the episode notes because the comments underneath it are so fucking funny. I had the Yao Ming face of terror and realized I was doing kegels. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really good. I just hate the smell of Nair. I will never forget that smell. Yeah, and especially like right under your nostrils too. Yeah, well, I, so I, my roommate uh, in college, he had a really hairy back and, you know, this goes to show it's also men. He asked for help to Nair it. I just remember hair and blood coming off in my hands. And between that and the smell, I just started dry heaving and then he started dry heaving and they were both dry heaving together and I'm covered in hair and fucking blood and this horrible smell that I can't, it, it is, it is only the smell of nair. It's awful. I can't compare that smell to anything. Just opening the bottle makes me nauseous. It burns. And it brings me back to that moment. It smells like burning. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. God damn it. It doesn't like, sound right when I do it. I know. <laughs> Places you can find us <laughs> on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. We're trying to get a thousand followers to tell your friends. And uh, Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. We also have a website, welcomebyvagina.com, which leads you to my YouTube page, also yep. Welcome to My Vagina. Uh huh. And there's a blog section where I have posted a couple of things, but we're also looking for writers. So if you have interesting opinions, if you are a person who wants to break into writing and wants to share your voice, we're looking for diverse opinions, all sorts of different people. We're basically looking know. for anyone who's not a cisgender man. We, yeah. we definitely want you guys to be allies, but right now we're looking for yeah. other voices. Yeah, and also we love uh, our white women peers, but we're two white women sitting here, so we'd love more diverse voices. Also, thank you so much to our producer, uh, Caitlin Moldenhauer of More Banana Productions. Please check out all of the work from this all-women network, including World Stealers, There Will Be Porn, I'm Listening with Anita Flores, and Awkward Sex in the City with Natalie Wall, which is coming to you in July. Yeah, More Banana Production is killing it. Yeah, guys, we're kind of taking over the world. And don't forget to review us. And subscribe and tell your friends. Yeah. And we're going to have merch soon. Merch. I don't know why that word always makes me think of Merkins. Ooh. <laughs> Merkin merch. Also check out all of Rebecca's writing at franklyrebecca.com. Da-da-da! Da-da-da! Yeah! All right. And See email you us. next Tuesday. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. <laughs>